Welcome to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. To learn more about hope and our weekend worship opportunities, visit HopeChurchMemphis.com. Today's message comes from Senior Pastor Rufus Smith. You know, traditionally in, traditionally in church history, these palm branches are actually used for the ashes we use on Ash Wednesday. And so there's always a symmetry uh, in church tradition. I think you may have a picture before you. It is a picture of my mother's 80th birthday celebration. And if the Lord lets her live this June, she will be 84 years old. Uh, But this is her 80th celebration. And mom, if you're listening, as I've said to you before many times, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here. Some of you will catch that on the way home. (laughs) So I praise God for her. This was an opportunity for family and friends, of course, to come together and for reflections and to remember uh, the accomplishments and the grace of God throughout her life. Uh, This is the mayor of Houston, Texas, the Honorable Sylvester Turner, family friend. He stopped by to Uh, give his congratulations to her on that day. This is the seat of honor uh, where she was um, just serenaded with songs and accolades uh, from her grandchildren and her children and friends and family. Um, The next photo is a photo of her peers, uh, aunts, a couple of aunts there next to her and other peers that's been walking with her along this journey. And then the next photo is that of her daughter-in-law, Jacqueline Sue Johnson-Smith, who have put up with me for 38, 37 years now. Don't say amen. (laughs) No, I'm teasing. She has certainly deserves that. And then um, lastly is a photo of her biological children plus one uh, adopted son there to my far right and best friend that I have, Dr. Ralph <coughs> Douglas West. And then to the left, at least the left from where I'm looking, of course, is my favorite sister and my uh, brothers, uh, Michael and Terry, in between. I show those pictures because as we close the book of Deuteronomy, this series on mountain sessions, the peaks and valleys of Moses' leadership, the book of Deuteronomy is just like that. It's a remembrance. It is a repeat. Moses is reflecting on the 40-year history of Israel in the desert. He's going to be talking about their successes as well as their failures. In fact, that's what the book Deutero means. Uh, In Hebrew, it means repeat. It is a rehearsal. It is a review. It is a recounting. It will be much like a video, uh, sort of like Moses is rewinding the tape and saying, let me review for you all that God has done for us as we move into the promised land because he doesn't want you to forget that when you move from the desert to the promised land, 
Uh, he wants you to remember him. And let me say to us as well, I know we celebrate birthdays and anniversaries and other special events. Let me urge you to do it before someone is dying. Let me urge you to do it before someone is declining so then they can appreciate what you are saying and uh, doing for them. Do it before dementia sets in and try to reflect and remember because it will not only bless them, but it will bless you as well. That's what Moses was doing. Listen, every person is a leader. And we've said that throughout this series. Every person is a leader. Generally, when we talk about leader, we talk about the leader, the primary leader, the person that's at the top of the pyramid. But that's only one level of leadership. God has many, many secondary leaders in the home, in church, in the school, on the college campuses, civic organizations, as well as um, corporate America. Many levels of leaders. And we will learn today that with those many levels of leaders, Leaders, all leaders have successes and failures. And because all leaders have successes and failures, every leader needs mercy and grace. Repeat, every leader needs mercy and grace. So Moses is taking us through. He's reviewing for us. He's rewinding the tape so that we can review successes and failures. And he's going to be very transparent about his own successes and his own failures as well. And teach us afresh that every leader needs five types of grace if we're going to make it. Five types of grace if we're going to make it. Mercy and grace. Mercy always precedes grace. Mercy first, and then there is grace. Whatever else mercy is, the Hebrew, the Greek word, can be boiled down to this. Mercy meets us at a point of misery. Mercy meets us at a point of misery. But grace goes beyond mercy. Grace exceeds the need. Mercy meets us at a point of misery, but grace goes beyond mercy, and grace exceeds the need. Let me give you an example. As a young man raised a family, I ran into some financial difficulties from time to time with my three kids and family, and one day I was sitting down with a gentleman uh, who mentored me in many ways. Uh, he noticed I was a little despondent that day, and he asked me what was wrong, and I said nothing. I lied. Uh, but he had a little bit more life experience and lordship experience, and he pressed me until I shared my burden, and I confessed to him that I was troubled because I had a financial need that I could not meet. I needed $277. And he said, is that all you need? And I lied again out of pride. Uh, but he said, when I was your age and raising a family, if I said I needed $277, I probably needed double. Is that the case with you? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you 
to help meet this need. And then he said something that I'll never forget and something I've tried to practice to this day. You don't have to pay me back. I don't know about you, but that was wonderful news to me. And he said this, when the Lord puts you back on your feet, pay it forward. And I've tried to do that from that day to this. You know what that man did for me? He met me at the point of need, mercy, and gave me $277. But then grace, he gave me something extra. He gave me something that exceeded the need, extra favor, unearned. Ah, that's what grace is all about. Art Link letter said that kids say the darndest things. If you're under 35, you never heard of them, very likely Google them. But Art Linkletter said, kids say the darndest things. He was telling the story one day of about a young man in Sunday school. The teacher said, will you review to me what I just taught about mercy and grace in your own words? The young man said, well, from what I understand, uh, mercy is the bread and grace is the butter and the jam. I say, I like that. You see, we can live with bread, can't we? Oh, but if you put some butter and jam on it, that makes it a whole lot better. That's what God does in our lives. He meets us at the point of misery, but he goes beyond that, and he extends and exceeds the need with grace, unearned. So he not only gives extra favor, but he gives extra flavor. And he goes the extra mile. That's what grace is all about. Do you think that you are where you are and have what you have because you work harder than other people? Well, if you do, then you don't have a full understanding of grace. Because there are people who work harder, but they don't have what you have and they are not where you are. Or maybe you think that I am where I am and I have what I have because I'm smarter. Well, if you think that, then you don't have a full understanding of grace because there are people who are smarter and they don't have what you have and are not where you are. Paul says that I am what I am by the grace of God. God gives us unearned extra flavor, extra favor, <clears throat> exceeding the need. And he strengthens us for what lies ahead or what we may be suffering right now. Now, as a leader in your own right, are you doing that for others? Are you extending the kind of grace to them that God has extended to you? Not just mercy, but going beyond mercy and extending grace. Well, Moses will teach us in this passage five types of grace. Let me give you the first one. The first is saving grace. Every person, every leader needs saving grace. The Greek word sozo, S-O-Z-O, means rescue. It means to liberate. It means to expand. So salvation, whatever else it is, means that God is saving, rescuing, delivering us, liberating us, but he is expanding us so that we can see life 
at a whole nother level, we all need saving grace. Deuteronomy, Moses says it this way. This command I'm giving you today is not too difficult for you and is not beyond your reach. It is not kept in heaven so distant that you may ask, who will go up to heaven and bring it down so we can hear it and obey? It's not kept beyond the sea so far that you must ask, who will cross the sea and bring it to us so that we can hear it and obey? No, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart so that you can obey it. Now listen, today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. Saving grace means I reach up and I surrender by taking it, this gift that God has for me. Mercy settles my sins. Grace goes the extra mile and gives me additional unearned favor and flavor for life. If you are looking at me in the room or you are listening to me and looking online and you are doing so without Christ, without hope, without the assurance of eternal life, we want you to know that God exists. <clears throat> Here is the gospel in a nutshell. God exists. There never was a time that he did not exist. In fact, he doesn't even try to prove to you that he does exist. Genesis 1 and 1 says, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth, didn't even give any explanation to us as creatures. God exists. If I'm honest with myself intellectually and personally and go outside and look beyond the sky, there's something beyond that blue that tells me that there's some invisible order of reality. God exists and God has revealed himself. Moses just told us it's very close <clears throat> to us. He's not trying to hide. He's revealed himself. He's revealed himself in creation. He's revealed himself in our consciences. He revealed himself in the canon of scripture, but he's revealed himself more explicitly in Christ Jesus who came to show us God the Father. He's not trying to hide from you are from me. So God exists and God has revealed himself and then God has a plan for the universe. That's why we have spring and winter and summer and fall and night and day because there is an order to the universe. He has a plan for it. And if God has a plan for the universe, God has a plan for human beings. Surely God has a plan for humans, the crowning glory of his creation, those who are made in his image, the Imago Dei, those who have designed to be like him. If God has a plan for the universe, God certainly has a plan for humans. And guess what? You are human and I am human and therefore God has a plan for me. And if God has a plan for me, then I owe God an honest hearing. And God is saying to you today, that I want to save, deliver, rescue. I want to expand you so that you can see life at another level. I'm not far away. All you have to do is surrender, sitting right where you are. You can tell God the Father, I'm believing in Jesus Christ and eternal life will begin for you today. We'll help you. We'll help walk with you as God is helping to grow you in the faith. We all need saving grace Second, we need singing grace. We need singing grace. How many of you like music? Amen. I, music does something for us. God has given us this wonderful means of music. 
to help us understand so many things in life. The Latin word muse means to think. And so music is designed to cause us to think about God wholesomely about life. And it does that viscerally like nothing else really does. And then there is amusement. That means not to think. And some of the stuff I'm hearing today doesn't make me think at all. But I'm not going to get into that. That's a whole nother message. But music and singing helps us through life. And God has given us singing grace. You don't have to be a singer to experience singing grace. In fact, here's what Moses says. Moses called a meeting to all the people of Israel so he could teach them the words to the sermon. To the what? Wake up the person next to you. Make sure you're paying attention. Now, he was not teaching them the words of a sermon. He was teaching them the words to the song that the Lord had given him. And here are the words. You see, Deuteronomy 32, most of it is a song that he wanted to teach them so he could sing it over and over and over again. Here are the words of that song. Earth and sky, listen to what I say, Israel, I will teach you. My words will be like gentle rain or tender young plants <clears throat> or like dew on the grass. Join me in praising or singing the wonderful name of the Lord our God. The Lord is a mighty rock and he never does wrong. God can always be trusted to bring justice. Sing this song over and over. We need singing grace. All of us have a song that we have sung to help us be reminded of the extra favor and the extra flavor that God adds to life. Other than the song Amazing Grace, the song that extols the majesty of God the Father and controls the anxiety of the soul, most may be how great thou art. Many celebrity artists from Elvis Presley to Carrie Underwood to the gospel singer Yolanda Adams have recorded it, but how did it start? <clears throat> In 1885, Carl Gustav Boberg, a young Swedish pastor, was walking home when he was caught in a severe thunderstorm with flashing lightning. He almost died. After the storm passed, the sun came out, the birds started singing in the trees, and this stark contrast of peace in nature after the chaotic storm impressed him to reflect on God's command for nature. Pastor Carl went home that night and he wrote this Swedish poem. It didn't start off as a song, but it's a Swedish poem. And the words that we're so familiar, he sat down and wrote, O oh Lord my God, when I am awesome wonder, consider all the worlds that thy hands have made. I see the stars. I hear the roaring thunder that he had just heard, thy power throughout the universe displayed. He named the poem, O Store Good, G-U-D, uh, for God, Almighty God. He submitted it to the local newspaper. That poem eventually became a song and was very popular throughout Sweden. In the early 30s, a British couple, Stuart and Ethel Hines, constructed the third verse that we sing today. While they were worshiping in Ukraine, the Hines heard people crying out to God, praising him for his love and his mercy and his grace as a result of the cross. And thus they wrote the third verse that we know today. And when I think 
that God his son not sparing sent him to die scarce can take it in when on that cross my, my burdens gladly bearing he bled and died to take away my sins and then finally in 1954 Edwin Orr a British theologian and singer traveling through India heard the song sung by an Indian choir he brought it back to America, had it sung at a conference where he was speaking to college students, and in the audience was Tim Spencer. He was the owner of Manor Music. Tim bought the rights to the song, and it landed in the hands of George Beverly Shea, the famed theologian uh, soloist for Billy Graham. And Graham and Shea loved the song so much that they made it their signature crusade song in 1957 and it has remained a fixture in the landscape of hymnology ever since. Moses composed this song in Deuteronomy 32. It is mostly a song to remind Israel to sing it over and over again to remind them of the goodness and grandeur and grace of God. We need singing grace. We also need growing grace. We need growing grace. Don't raise your hand. How many of you will be honest with yourselves and say that I need to grow up some area spiritually? I said don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Because we all could raise our hand. We all need growing grace. Not only is God interested in initial salvation, he's, in, he's interested in progressive salvation so we can grow up. This grace beyond mercy extends extra favor and God waits for us to grow up and mature in area after area. We all need it, don't we? In fact, here's what Moses says. Israel, the Lord discovered you in a barren desert field with howling winds and God became your fortress protecting you as though you were his own eyes. The Lord was like an eagle teaching its young to what? Fly. Always ready to swoop down and catch them on his back. Israel the Lord led you and without the aid of a foreign God. God is interested not only in initial salvation, but growing grace. We all need to grow up, and he does that for us. He dislodges us out of the nest, out of our comfort zone. He allows trials and trouble and tribulation, temptation to come into our lives. And when he sees we're not quite flying, he swoops down and catches us on his back, takes us back to the nest, nurtures us a little bit more, and then launches us off again. In fact, he says, I'm guarding you like the pupil in my eye. I won't let you fall. And so we need growing grace as we're going through life's ups and downs, highs and lows, ebbs and, ebbs and flows. So if you stumble, don't stop. If you fall, don't flop. If you weaken, don't wallow. If you've given up, don't give out because God is waiting for you. He is helping you through because we all need to grow up in some area of life spiritually. He wants us to see, not just the visible, but the invisible in this life, to see life at another level and live above the common like the eagle can see what those who are on earth cannot see. 
God wants us to have growing grace. Every leader needs it. If you're honest with yourself, you have grown in some area. Keep on. Then we need sustaining grace. That means God keeps us. Here's what Moses says. Don't you understand that I am the only God? There are no others. I am the one who takes life and gives it again. I punished you with suffering, but now I will heal you and nothing can stop me. Sustaining grace. Just like we need saving grace and singing grace and growing grace, we need sustaining grace. That is, we need God to keep us. And if you're looking at me right now, in person or online, it's because God has sustained you. He has kept you up to this point. And if he kept you up to this point, he still has something for you to do. We all need sustaining grace. He's kept us. Let me close with this. And we need suffering grace. Moses was recounting the successes and the failures. We need suffering grace. Moses is being transparent here. He's reminding the children of Israel that I did something that God has caused me to suffer for. God said to Moses, you lost your temper once too often. Now I'm going to let you see the promised land, but you will not have the privilege of leading the people over into the promised land. He was being honest with us and transparent, but he was reminding us that God is with us. He gives us suffering grace. That is, he gives us the grace to suffer no matter what we're going through. Listen to what he says. Go up into the Abiram mountain range, hell or here in Moab, across the Jordan River Valley from Jericho. And when you reach the top of Mount Nebo, you will be able to see the land of Canaan, which I am giving to Israel. Then you will die and be buried on the mountaintop, just as your brother Aaron died and was buried on Mount Hor. Both of you were unfaithful to me at Mirabah, spring near Kadesh in the Zen Desert. I am God, but there in front of the Israelites, you did not treat me with honor and respect that I deserve. So I would give the land to the people of Israel, as I promised, but you will only get to see it from a distance. Listen, God gives us suffering grace even when it's self-induced. Don't look at me like you're spiritual and say God only gives suffering grace when it's not my fault. No, God gives me suffering grace when it is my fault. And when I acknowledge and confess my sins, he will help me through it, even though it's my fault. He gives me suffering grace that's self-induced. He also gives me suffering grace when it's otherwise induced. Society may induce it. He'll give me suffering grace or grace to suffer through that. It may be genetic, a genetic illness, a sickness. had nothing to do with me. It's just in the gene pool because when a fallen human condition, he will allow me to suffer through that and keep me through it. Or it can be circumstantially or societally induced, and God will give me suffering grace for that. We all need suffering grace because we live in a fallen human condition even when it's my fault. That's a good place to say amen. amen. And Moses is being transparent with it and saying, 
I'm giving you suffering grace. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what you're suffering today. But God will give you unearned extra favor and flavor for life. He will exceed the need and give you grace so that you can suffer through, endure, until he brings you out on the other side. It's always too soon to quit. Don't you dare give up because he's given us suffering grace. Since this is a song that Moses sung, I'm not going to pray. I'm going to sing my prayer. This is a song that helps me when I'm going through and need suffering <clears throat> grace. I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. There have been times I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, God gave me blessed consolation. Now my trials come to only make me strong. I've been a lot of places, and I've seen millions of faces. But there were times I felt so all alone. But in those lonely hours, yes, those precious lonely hours, Jesus let me know that I was his own. That's the reason I say that through it all, mm, through it all, oh, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, mm, through it all, oh, I've learned to depend upon his word. So I thank God for the mountains, and I thank him for the valleys, and I thank him for all the storms he's brought me through. For if I've never had a problem, I'd never know that God could solve them. I'd never know what faith in his word would do. That's the reason I say that through it all, mm, through it all, oh, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God through it all, mm, through it all. Oh, I've learned to depend upon his word. Through my sickness and pain, I've learned to depend upon his word. Oh, through sorrow and shame, I've learned to depend upon his word. Amen. That helps me. It helps get me through. We all need suffering grace. Thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. I'm Daniel Openheisen, musical worship director at Hope. If you were encouraged by today's message, hit subscribe wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience previous messages, videos, and our live worship experience, 
visit the Hope Church Memphis YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Again, thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast.